Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Leslie Ann Morris. Hi, Victor. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Now, Leslie Ann, you've been in the world of short-term rentals, specifically in a vacation area, and I'm very intrigued by that. Before we dive into the details, maybe give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. Sure, yeah. I actually had a really long career in commercial banking, believe it or not. I started as a credit underwriter and then quickly advanced to a salesperson. Always thought that I would finish out my life in banking, I guess. And about three years ago, I got into real estate investing. I was living in Southern California at the time, um, working on a master's degree at USC and just randomly found the Smoky Mountains, believe it or not, started buying cabins um, and quickly scaled that endeavor. Uh, fast forward to today, I own 10 short-term rentals, uh, completely by myself, no partners. And I've just recently retired from banking um, and am working full-time as a real estate agent. And I own a property management company. And it all just grew out of my own real estate portfolio. So it's an, a very exciting time for me. That's awesome. And short-term rentals are a fantastic way in certain select markets. The, the statistics, if you look broadly at, for example, the statistics that Airbnb publishes, the average revenue is, is shockingly low, like shockingly low, and the occupancy is shockingly low when you look at the averages. Mm -hmm. But for those that are doing it professionally, doing it at a high level, doing it in the right location, delivering the right product, it can be a very solid business with a tremendous amount of resilience, but the key is to be running that professionally. So talk to me about how you chose the location because that is yeah. vitally important. Yeah, I actually, um, at the time, was Googling things like where to buy a property cash. I had kind of robbed a retirement account to get started. Um, so originally, I was just going to buy a home with cash and just go all in on like a basic long-term rental. And uh, the deal that I was uh, involved in actually just kind of dissolved overnight. The seller decided not to sell. So then I kind of went back to the drawing board and said, you know, if somebody can just change their mind so easily, what's going to happen if I sign a 12-month lease with someone and they don't pay their rent, that property's out of state. Uh, so then I went back to the drawing board, started researching again, and lo and behold, I actually came up with um, Airbnb's top five um, location list that they put out annually. Uh, and that top five list would be the prior year's uh, best five markets where they're seeing success, where folks are buying a short-term rental and doing a good job with it, making a lot of money. And their top three markets were all in the Smoky Mountains. And I said, hmm, seems like I'm onto something. Uh, so then I just dove in further and kind of did my own research. I was using Zillow, Bigger Pockets, just very, you know, basic research items, any data points I could find, and then just found a property that looked amazing. It was in the $300,000 price range. And I said to myself, that looks like a place that I could go personally have a great vacation at. And if I could throw it on Airbnb and it makes its mortgage, then I'm going to be happy. Honestly, I want to you know, do really well and make a lot of money. But that was kind of my thought process just to get into the strategy. And boy, have I learned so much in three years about the underwriting that goes into it and you know, all the different things, the nuances of 
property management and it's it's been a ride. Oh, I'll bet it has. I mean, you've had a pandemic in the middle of it as well, which I'm sure wasn't part of your original business plan, or maybe it was. No. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> that was a scary time. It went from all reservations in the month of March 2020 canceling, but then just within weeks rebooking other people would they'd cancel and other people would book right behind them uh just at slightly lower rates um so it was touch and go we had a few weeks of big stress because uh, i think at that time i owned five um but i actually was buying one i was closing in march late march 2020 and i remember calling my lender and i was like what would you do would you back out i mean I was running my margins really thin then. So it was almost every dollar I had to close that deal. I don't recommend doing that, <laughs> but it did pay off. It paid off beautifully. And um, it was it was the best choice I ever made was to scale during the pandemic. And what we found during the pandemic, we found that certainly occupancy fell. And, well, initially occupancy fell, certainly the nightly rate fell. And that had to do simply with the fact that people were not flying if if the clients were coming to you, it's because it was driving distance. It was within a radius of a major metro, and they mm -hmm. were driving. So that definitely took some of the demand away and lowered the nightly rate. What we found was that by focusing on delivering a superior product, the vacancy went to the junk in the market. And by delivering a superior product that really was going to be the best product in the market, we were able to be get more than our fair share of occupancy. Despite high season, low season, shoulder season, we were getting over 80% occupancy. What have you discovered over these last couple of years, what you need to do to maintain that occupancy? Yeah. Yeah. The pandemic actually are in the Smoky Mountains because it's within driving distance of about 60% of the United States population. They can get there within eight hours or less. Um, our occupancy was through the roof. I look back on that now and wish that I would have charged even more, even though our rates were already really high in the market. Um, if I would have charged more, I would have had lower occupancy, therefore having less maintenance CapEx projects that I'm now you know, putting the effort in to complete. But you're exactly right, Victor. I mean, honestly, the biggest thing uh, that we learned you know, pre, post, all the pandemic, everything was differentiation of product. I mean, when you look at a market like the Smoky Mountains, it's your traditional vacation market. There are probably 10,000, tens of thousands of cabins there that um, are all very, very similar. So what can you do to stand out, but also still capture the majority of the travelers? And a lot of the ways we do that are, you know, making sure all of the amenities that they're looking for in the Smokies, we have that available to them and maybe even something additional. Um, you know, your your fire pit, pool table, hot tub won't cut it these days. You really need to look at it at something additional. And so what I've begun doing, um, uh, the company I own is called Josh's Cabins. And what we've begun doing is um, really uniquely branding them, making the names highly Googleable, and branding them either. I have some that are branded on a color. So I have one called Azure Heights Lodge. It's all blue. Like everything inside is blue. You really get the theme. Um, and I just closed on one late September that is called Whiskey Whispers Lodge. Uh, it's all whiskey themed. We have wine, bar wine whiskey barrels all throughout. Um, and even, uh, you know, offering like a mini bar fridge area, just trying to have some sort of special unique offer because you really are up against a lot of competition these days. 
Well, I think what you said is exactly right, that you've got to be differentiated in the marketplace. You've got to have something that is not just like everybody else. One of the things that the the sharing economy, the gig economy have in common is that often the barrier to entry can be low. There's really nothing to prevent one more Uber driver from adding a vehicle to the fleet, and there's often nothing preventing a cabin owner from adding one more to the short-term rental market. So that can often create a situation where supply grows and grows and grows to the point where prices fall to the point of tolerable pain, but nobody's making any money. How do you stay differentiated? How do you stay in that segment of the market where it's not that race to the bottom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we see a lot, a lot of that, You know, especially new investors. They're not sure. They're just worried about making their mortgage, so they'll price it very low. Um, and of course, they're getting, they're capturing, you know, certain types of guests with that low price. So we really try to avoid any kind of race to the bottom, any kind of price war. Um, I think part of it too is because I have it so heavily branded, we really get a lot of bookings based off of our stellar reviews. We run it like a concierge valet service, if you will, you know, valet on the side of cabin owners that we manage their cabins for. And um, concierge on the side of the traveler, you know, we are replying back really quickly. So that does kind of lift us up. Um, but yeah, the price is so tough. I, um, use beyond pricing, a dynamic pricing software. Um, I've done testimonials for this company. Their pricing software is, is, is much better than a lot of the ones on the market because they're looking at, uh, not just like benchmarking you against a competitor and how quickly they're booking and how they're priced, but they're also looking at like events in the market. So, you know, sometimes we will be the highest price and we may go unbooked, um, but that's pretty rare. That usually doesn't happen with us. But I think because we've justified the premium product that we're offering, we we never will price it to a low threshold just to get uh, bodies and beds, if you will. And I think anytime we've done that in the past, like compete on price, the quality of the guests that you get also diminishes. So it's it's not a win-win for anybody. Yeah, that mirrors our experience as well. Absolutely. So you talk a little bit about dynamic pricing. Uh, that's both a function of pricing time to the reservation and availability in the marketplace. Do you mm-hmm. ever find a situation where you actually hold back inventory in order for some of that cheaper stuff to disappear so that you can release that availability later and charge a higher price? Yeah, we don't um, go to the, go to the extreme of that. Where I have heard of um, owners, you know, or or other management companies blocking dates so that it won't book until last minute. Um, our booking lead time is really short right now, so even just a week out, we're not booked, and then we're booking at seven days in most cases. Um, but we do have a strategy in place where we are charging a premium if they're booking out past a certain window. Um, and that's really market based. So if they're, you know, they're looking at next spring already, they will pay a premium to book with us. And it's exactly like you said, Victor, it's just so that we can make sure that we get, you know, we don't even, we're having a hard time even projecting what is spring going to look like. So we want to just make sure we don't give away, you know, give away the product really. Absolutely. Very interesting. So when you talk with other owners of short-term rental product in the same market, is it feel competitive? Do you, is it collaborative? What, what's, the, what's the tone of those conversations? Yeah. 
Oh, it's actually really collaborative. Um, I actually just got back from a VRMA, which is the Vacation Rental Management Association Conference. It was in Vegas. Uh, and wow, I was meeting other people in the Smoky Mountains. They were like, oh, we want to loop you in with these five other folks that are here this weekend. And so it was really great. Um, and I think a big part of that is not just like camaraderie and sharing your war stories, but which we which we did and we do. Um, but also around that thought process, that methodology of like awareness in the market of, you know, how we're pricing things and what sort of things we're dealing with. Um, I think some of them even share like a blacklist, like whoever's been blacklisted or blocklisted, I guess, from their staying at their cabins. Um, but yeah, never, never really competitive. I mean, I think there's enough tourism, especially in the Smoky Mountains. I mean, we saw 14 million visitors to the Great Smoky Mountain National Park just last year. Um, I don't know what that number is going to look like this year. I'm sure it will be slightly less, but the year prior was over 12 million. So there's definitely enough to go around and just sharing the the strategy, you know, what your business strategy is compared to somebody else is can definitely help like lift us all up. Absolutely. Well, let's say, and if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Yeah. Well, I'm really active on Instagram and it's just Leslie period and with an E dot Morris. So Leslie dot and dot Morris. Um, and then my website is either you can find me at Josh's cabins, management.com or invest in the smoky mountains.com. Fantastic. Well, I love the perspective. I think you've chosen a great location. Uh, being in an area that's got a lot of demand is absolutely the right thing to do. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Leslie Ann Morris at joshescabins.com or investinthesmokymountains.com. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.